Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. And now, KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, July 18th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk, and we are almost through the third week of July, and there's a lot of a lot at play right now in the marketplace with uh, in the midst of earnings season, which we're going to get to here in a little bit, uh, the trade war, slowing economy, and an election coming up uh, next year. And there's a lot that's happening. So it's important to get some unbiasing guidance. And that's why we are here is to help give you some unbiased guidance. I'm Justin Klein. And I hope you will give me a call with your investing and finance questions during this hour, you can do it live at 8899 chart or call that same number and record your message after hours and we will answer it on a later show. Now, if you do make time to call, we can answer or we can shape the show to your specific needs and help you more effectively take that next step in your financial freedom path. And we do this each and every weekday with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, just like we do at our parent firm, KPP Financial. Now, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to give you some perspective, give you some data that I think is relevant, right? Because there's a lot of data out there, but what is relevant, right? So I'm going to give you some of that, hopefully. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but that's what I feel. And it's unbiased. So I want to help you as much as I possibly can. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story. Walmart admits the company has been playing catch-up in e-commerce. So we're going to check in to see where they're at, how that's going to affect Walmart, Amazon, maybe Target, other players within the industry, and how that sector is evolving over time. So we're going to look at that. Also, we're going to check in on earnings season. There have been... 88, I think this is as of the close on today's Thursday, uh, on Tuesday, so it, it wasn't yesterday's uh, earnings, but 88 names out of the S&P 500 have reported earnings, so I'm going to check in on what that looks like in aggregate. Also, U.S. leading economic index was released today, and I'm going to touch on what that came in at and what it means for our economy over the next few months and quarters. And then lastly, Netflix. Netflix had earnings after hours yesterday and it was down pretty substantially today. And I'm going to tell you why, why we were short the stock and why I think it, uh, it, it's, it should be a lesson to growth investors out there, growth investors and understanding when a turning point in a company's life can start to drastically affect the stock price, which you're starting to see that in, in uh, Netflix. So we're going to touch on that as well. 
Now let's take a look at the market today. We were down earlier in the morning and we rallied for most of the day. You had the S&P up about six tenths of 1%, same with the small caps. The NASDAQ was up five tenths of 1% and it relatively underperformed, probably because of that Netflix news. Transportation did well after a very poor day yesterday on the CSX news, earnings news. So that was kind of a little snapback, uh, a rally. Still didn't close higher than it was uh, you know, a couple days ago, but it was a nice little bounce on the transport sector. Uh, the, the best sector overall, though, were the gold miners. Gold is absolutely taking off. And you know, I've been talking about how bullish I've been for a little while now, and especially after it got above that 1370 level, that was a pretty interesting level that it broke and you're seeing the results of that eventual breakout. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz and he's looking at gold. He's looking at PAAS, which is Pan American Silver. Hi, Justin. Um, yeah. Yes, I am interested in it, but it's becoming expensive and I wondered if um, you would buy it at these levels. Well, it's expensive if you're looking at the the price over the last two months, right? Two months ago, it was uh, around $10, call it 50 cents a share. Now we're at $15.55 a share. We actually had purchased this in our Equity Income Plus uh, around the 13 change level, had a, sold a 14 strike call. Uh, and so we're nicely uh, up on it. And we like the name. Uh, pays a, a, a small dividend. Um, one of my favorites uh, in the gold mining sector. It's certainly up into some resistance here. I will say that around this uh, this 1550 level. So don't be surprised if you get uh, some pullback here. But uh, this just uh, is similar to most of the gold miners I'm seeing out there. And I've been saying this for a while. You want to be buying on weakness. Uh, and we... You know, we haven't seen any weakness over the past three days. Uh, this has some kind of bigger bigger resistance around the 1590 level. Uh, but I do think you want to buy this on any types of dips. You want to be adding or, or, or starting a position, adding to position, uh, just like most gold miners. So I like the name. It's one of my favorites in the sector. And so I would be buying it. Uh, you know, you're chasing a little bit here. But uh, for me, gold, I think this is a longer-term breakout. I think we're going to be going on a multi-month, multi-year with pullbacks, uh, you know, with certain months, uh, run in gold prices because of the debt, because of where the dollar is and the potential downside there, uh, and the fact that, you know, a recession is likely going to take place sometime later this year into next year. So uh, I'm a big fan of the sector. Been saying it for a while, and PAS is definitely one of my favorites. So yes, you're buying it. It's over, you know, it's overbought at these levels, uh, but it's one of those names that you want, need to have a longer-term time horizon for, and I think a year from now, uh, two years from now, it'll be substantially higher. Thanks for the call, John. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you've got to be prepared to handle market volatility by balancing your portfolio, maybe adding an area of the marketplace that you're not used to, like gold miners, right? So you can do it yourself, or you can let Steve and I help you. And here's your chance to get a one-on-one, no-cost portfolio review with Steve. He'll be in San Jose on June 31st. He has one appointment left, one appointment left. It's at 3.30 in the afternoon, 3.30 to 5. And so if you want to meet with him then, you can certainly 
uh, send us a message uh, via our website and we'll get back to you and set that up. But he'll also be traveling to New York City, just, just announcing this. He'll be there on September 19th. So if you're a podcast listener out of the New York area, I know we have a big contingency of podcast listeners in on the East Coast. You can meet with him in Manhattan, in New York City, on September 19th. I believe he has one appointment right now. That's uh, fairly wide open because uh, he just decided on it, I think, yesterday the day before. So you can register now at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. We are already into the third week of July, and you are very likely hard at work and also focusing on your goal of achieving financial freedom. So you've come to the right place, Invest Talk, where you can get timely investment information and unbiased guidance. Justin Klein is here now, and the phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's take a quick look at today's benchmark numbers. Gold was surging once again, like I said, up to 14 hundred and thirty seven dollars an ounce the highest level that we have seen in a few years oil was at 56.72 a barrel the 10-year treasury yield it ticked down a little bit but it still looks like it's uh, trying to make an uptrend and if gold is a signal if gold is signaling inflation the breakout here you know the dollar hasn't weakened too much typically you see a gold breakout when the dollar's breaking or breaking down right there's that inverse relationship typically and the fact that gold is breaking out while the dollar remains relatively strong that's telling me that the market is signaling inflation signaling inflation ahead and so if that's true, there's likely going to be a turn, I think, up in interest rates, at least in the near term. Nothing too dramatically, uh, but just a little bit to reflect future inflation. Now, the 30-year mortgage rate also ticked up to 3.81% from uh, about three and three quarters uh, a couple weeks ago. And so certainly that's going to weigh a tiny bit on housing affordability, but Housing affordability isn't too bad right now because of how much mortgage rates have backed up from five to now, like I said, 3.81%. But overall, the housing market remains weak. So any little uptick in the cost of, of, of a mortgage is likely going to have some effect on a housing market that just is struggling to really gain a ton of traction. And the re, one of the reasons is because the level of foreign home buying has dropped by half over the last two years. It's now at the lowest level since 2013. Now, foreign purchasers of U.S. homes include, in this order, Chinese buyers, Asian Indians, and U.K. buyers. And so, you clearly see Brexit, that that, that hurting the U.K. Uh, buyers, and the Chinese buyers, the trade war, the fact that the Chinese economy is slowing, certainly uh, those wealthy business owners, those wealthy individuals in China maybe aren't quite as wealthy or maybe they are not as excited about have owning a home in America when the China uh, Sino uh, US relations aren't that great. So that's pretty interesting. Now tying this into another story, Zillow Group is 
now offering a service that lets customers request cash offers for their home directly from Zillow on its website. So Zillow is what they're trying to do is they're trying to use technology and data aggregation to buy up properties cheap, right? So think of CarMax, right? You 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 bring your car in, they assess it, and they're tr- they're trying to say, okay, we if we pay X amount, we can probably sell it in the marketplace for this dollar amount and earn that margin, and that's kind of what Zillow is trying to do. Uh, you can submit pictures, you can submit information on your home, and that will feed into their system, and they'll spit out a price that they'll buy your home for you from you. For cash, which I think is a very risky proposition, and goes away from uh, them servicing real estate agents, etc. More upside, I think, long term, but certainly high risk to their business. Because guess what? If you're an agent, why would you want to work with a company that's trying to steal your business? So uh, it's pretty interesting the way uh, the way that's going. Now, the trade war between the U.S. and China has dragged on now for but over a year, year and a half. There's 25% tariffs placed on $2 billion of Chinese goods. And that hasn't changed, right? You, you talk about the trade war truce that was agreed to at the G20 summit, but that didn't roll back the tariffs that have been implemented already. It's just saying, we're not going to implement more. And Trump and Xi just haven't really been speaking very much since the G20 summit. So there's been no real traction on a resolution, and I've talked about this, it's, it's likely going to be prolonged, right? It's going to be a prolonged trade battle, and it's taking a toll on the Chinese economy. Data on Monday showed the economic growth slowed to 6.2% in the second quarter, which is the weakest rate in the last 27 years for China. And obviously, they, they tend to inflate their economic growth figures, and so that certainly could be much weaker than that, most likely. So Trump claims that slower growth is evident that China is losing the trade war as the country faces an exodus of some companies to you know invest in that in, in that country. And I certainly think that's true. So in the near term, certainly China has, and I've been saying this, certainly China has more to lose, but in the long term, they have the ability to handle this politically uh, over the next year or two to reach their longer-term goals of continuing to dominate the global manufacturing base. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe investors should determine their own risk tolerance, compare that with their portfolio, make sure that the volatility that your your portfolio is probably going to have matches you. So we can help you with that if you would like. But for now, I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bob in Hawaii. He wants to talk about res- a recession. Well, uh, Justin, um, you know, we're all wondering when it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. And I know that um, you guys have talked about uh, a good indices is the uh, inverse two uh, versus 10-year trading uh, treasuries. 
But then another thing, I was listening to an earlier podcast that Steve gave, and he said the short-term trading sentiment was also an indicator that always uh, in the past had produced a recession. And I'm just wondering, what, what is the short-term trading sentiment now versus the two uh, and 10-year treasury inverse? Well, I, I'm not too sure uh, what Steve was, was speaking to, so I, I can't really uh, comment on that. I, I know right now the, the market in general sentiment isn't too bullish or, or too bearish. Uh, I will say that. Uh, now, the sentiment, consumer sentiment, however, has been coming down a little bit, um, but that's uh, th- th- that's just one indicator, and there's never just one, right? It's it's nothing is g- right. guarantees there's going to be a recession, uh, and the two and ten year is uh, the most watched uh, yield curve and potential yield curve inversion, and it hasn't really uh, inverted yet. Uh, but there are parts of the curve that have inverted, and I think that's more important: is how much of the curve is inverted because. Remember, the bond market is forecasting out economic activity in the future. And that forecast can be over various lengths of time, right? That economic downturn that it's forecasting can be various lengths of time. Uh, the response from the, the Fed can be uh, various. So I think it's more about which, how much of the yield curve is inverted. Uh, and so that's why I actually look at the... From the New York Fed, the New York Fed has recession probability uh, metrics, and that's all based on various parts of the yield curve. And right now, it's pricing in about a 29.5% probability of a recession, which doesn't sound very high, but if you look back in history, the last time it got that high and there was not a recession was 1967. 1967. Every other time that it's gotten into the around the 30 level, it's always indicated a recession. Uh, now, certainly, the Fed's pivot and easing that's likely going to start uh, what's that next week or the week after could change that trajectory. But the bond market isn't telling us that yet. Okay, so um, that's to me when I'm looking at the yield curve. I want to look at the curve as a whole, not just two and tens. Uh, and, and then I'm looking at leading indicators like housing starts, uh, home purchases, uh, etc. And that's going to give me a better indication of what consumers are going to do in the future, what businesses are going to do in, in the future, and also earnings, earnings from corporations. Right now, uh, the profit margins are very high. And once those come back down to reality and to the mean, I think you're going to see more layoffs because companies are going to be less profitable. Thanks for the call, Bob. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story about Walmart and how the CEO has admitted that they've been behind. They've been playing catch-up to Amazon. And he talked about the transformation to meet customers' new shopping demands and what he talks about is convenience, right? Is that there's a convenience factor that Amazon has introduced to the consumer. And frankly, I'm, I'm the same way. My girlfriend and I, we need something. We just hop on our phones. Amazon, boom, done. It gets here in two days. And that's it. And that's the convenience factor that 
has allowed Amazon to really dominate. Fifty over fifty percent of of online sales come from Amazon. Now Walmart, Target, all the other retailers out there are trying to fight that, right? And they're trying to fight that in multiple ways. One is to compete on the e-commerce field with Wal- with Amazon, and Walmart did that by purchasing Jet.com, and they found a lot of success, and they're actually set up from a distribution standpoint much better than Amazon is. They have a 100 distribution centers throughout and fulfillment centers throughout the country, whereas Amazon only has 75, and Walmart has 20 e-commerce dedicated fulfillment centers. And not only that, but they have, what is it, 1,200 brick and mortar stores throughout the country, which are kind of hybrid, right? They, they can be used as distribution centers. So I've talked about the, 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 the Walmarts and the Targets of the world are going to have the best chance of competing with the Amazons of the world. And I think eventually we get to that point where it's kind of a duopoly or uh, you know, there's only a few big e-commerce players that are really going to dominate. I think it's going to be these three names. And that's why from an investment standpoint, I like the targets and the Walmarts of the world because that hasn't been priced in. I think they have a lot more upside where Amazon has a lot more lunch to be eaten, shall we say. Uh, and so it's an interesting story, an interesting trend that's happening uh, in the commerce space. Now, to, on tomorrow's Invest Talk, we're going to talk about the story, five ways to invest in real estate if you're not rich. Talk about ETFs to gain large real estate exposure. Now, as we go to break, Google controls 92% of search engine results in the U.S. So here is our today's market trivia. Do you know the names of Google's founders and can you guess how much they're worth? That next. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. The time is now. And if you act now, the benefit to your financial future could be measurably significant. This is your chance to sharpen your investing skills through a valuable online classroom learning opportunity. InvestTalk Academy. Enrollment in InvestTalk Academy will introduce you to a weekly series of live investing classes conducted by KPP Financial Principals and InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. You'll profit from a critical degree of focused mentoring led by Steve and Justin. Hear their full analysis of the market. Follow along with charts and data points. Understand technical and fundamental analysis. Develop the mindset to become a successful investor. InvestTalk Academy offers an unprecedented value for serious investors. Register now at InvestTalkAcademy.com. We've seen new highs in the markets, but that could change. This is InvestTalk. And now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. So Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose, California on July 31st. Then, on September 19th, Steve will be in New York City to conduct his no-cost, personalized portfolio reviews. If you live anywhere in the New York area, mark September 19th on your calendar and register early at investtalk.com. But now, Justin Klein is here taking your calls live. Step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. 
888-99 chart 888-992-4278 give me a call ask your question before the end of the show we have about 20 minutes left so get your call in sooner rather than later now before the break i asked the question do you know the names of the google founders and you get can you guess how much they're worth well it was founded in 1998 think about that only 21 years ago and it was founded by two 26-year-olds, Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Brin was born in 1973, came to the United States from the Soviet Union. And he's now the 13th richest person in the world, worth about $50 billion. Larry Page is the 12th richest person in the world with about $51 billion. Pretty interesting that only 21 years they've gotten to this level. So just shows you how fast and somebody can change the world and really they've done that let's go ahead and grab another question from our listeners that came in earlier at 888-99 chart good afternoon this is sarah from wilmington and i'm calling about a stock that i own royal dutch shell rdsa is an apple and i just kind of want to have your input on what you think is the strength of the oil market at this time and Royal Dutch Shell so that I uh, have some basis of knowing whether I should uh, sell this or not. You know, I have a gain, and and I know it has a good uh, dividend, but, um, you know, I just uh, wouldn't like to lose that gain if the market takes a tumble. So thanks for your input. Bye-bye. Well, if the market takes a tumble, this is a name that likely will go down, right? It's an oil name. It is uh, very cyclical. The demand for oil is cyclical. and But the positive for the oil industry in general is that the emerging markets continue to have a secular growth trend. And the reason is is because capital now moves uh, a lot easier. Globalization, uh, where... Uh, labor and production can move to low-cost areas of the world a lot easier than it did uh, maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago. So that is given a lot of economic growth to smaller countries, and their demand for oil has increased dramatically, especially the likes uh, of, of China. Now, there's been new technology developed with shale oil. I'm not 100% sure how engaged Royal Dutch Shell is in the in that space uh, they've for hundreds you know decades they've been more about the traditional exploration and production and refining of crude oil and natural gas worldwide so they've been tr- your traditional fully integrated E&P company right exploration and production now they've had earnings go down or they're flat year over year last quarter revenue was down six percent year over year and they do yield about 5.1%. That's their dividend yield. But they have a fairly hefty debt level. Uh, they have positive free cash flow. That's good. That's positive. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of upside for that, that, that dividend. I don't think there's a lot of growth there uh, simply because uh, I think they need to invest. They need to invest in uh, their business to grow and find new sources uh, of revenue. Uh, I think there's definitely a fight with with global warming, and there's going to be a continued fight with the oil industry and those 
around the world who are fighting for uh, global warming or fighting against global warming, I guess I should say. So if you're looking for something that's low risk, this is not your name. It does pay a nice dividend. You're up on it. However, technically, it's not very hot. It's not very sound. Uh, but if the if the dollar does take a decent dive from here, you could see oil prices uh, perk up a bit. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the positive uh, there and outperform the overall market because outperforming doesn't mean it doesn't go down, right? The market go down 20% and you go down 10 and suddenly you're outperforming, but still that negative 10 doesn't feel very good. Um, so I don't really love the name to be honest with you. So uh, if you're looking to lower your risk profile, you're worried about a market downturn, this is certainly not a name that you want to be in. So thanks for the call. Hopefully it gave you a good overview of the oil industry and Royal Dutch Shell in particular. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in the four o'clock Pacific time hour each weekday. You can also subscribe to our podcast and rate the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify as well. And I hope you tell your friends and family members about that this show as well. And now the lines are open. We're taking your financial and investing questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California, to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Ray in San Bruno. He's asking about 5G companies. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. I'd like to know who's the leading company um, on a 5G and which one do you think they're going to be able to uh, to do it? Well, if you look at the names that have moved the most, uh, you're going to talk about companies yes. like uh, SBAC, SBA Communications. Uh, you're talking about oh. um, the, the Tower, American Tower, AMT. Those are the type of companies that are uh, are going to benefit the most. Now, you have to ask yourself the question. This is not news, right? This yes. 5G rollout is not news to anybody. People have been knowing about this for many years. And therefore, it's priced right. into the market, at least to a large extent. So these, these names are very expensive. Uh, they're on my watch list, uh-huh. right? But they're not okay. levels that I feel are warrants an investment because they're just too expensive. So... If you want to chase them up here, then you know go ahead. But I, I think with, with the downturn uh, in, in the markets and the economy, the growth names, which a lot of these are going to be classified as, are are names that are going to take hit the most. And you've seen that kind of recently uh, in, in the marketplace where a lot of these tech names have underperformed, as the, the, even though the markets made made new highs. So uh, I, I like them. I have them on my watch list. But you're also paying a dear, dear price for uh, the names that, you know, their, their current fundamentals clearly do not match the valuation. 
Thanks for the call, Ray. 8899 chart, 88992 4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's talk a little bit about, talk about Netflix. A good one. Kind of a segue into this. And this is a good example of when growth slows and valuations are high, you see a large drop in the stock price. And the shares of Netflix fell 11% today after they missed pretty badly on a lot of key metrics. And the reason they did is because of higher competition. And the competition really hasn't come full force yet, right? It's coming later this year and next year, Disney, etc. But they've also increased prices. And with all products and services, when you get to a certain level in prices, you start to take away demand, okay? And clearly, they've hit that. Before, they've gotten away with price hikes. You know, dollar here, dollar, a couple dollars there. And now I think it's, what, $15 a month for, for Netflix. Well, earnings announcement came, and the total streaming paid net additions came in at $2.7 million, which was well below what the market had expected at five, a little over $5 million. So that growth was half as much as what it was expected. And here in the U.S., they lost 126,000 subscribers versus an expected gain of 309,000. So they missed by almost half a million subscribers. Now, international paid subscribers did rose but by about 2 million less than analysts had forecast. Now the CEO said that concerns over their aggressive spending to develop content will pay dividends. Not literally. Figuratively more. They do not pay a dividend. But he thinks that investment in programming will turn into cash flow generation. The likes of Stranger Things and uh, I guess the new Narcos, which I haven't watched the last season, but it is great. But the big problem with Netflix is that they've invested so much, so heavily in this content. And while they have some good shows, they've produced a ton and you know, you produce enough shows, you're going to hit hit a couple home runs. But do all those misses, or do the couple hits make up for all those misses? That's the big question that the market has to answer. And the market's going to answer it by subscribers. If they're not producing enough good shows, then people are going to simply unsubscribe and maybe subscribe to Disney or HBO or all the other streaming offerings that are hitting the market or are soon to come. So to me, and this is a good example of how a growth name that's still priced at 55 times earnings, which is still extremely, extremely high. And so when a growth name suddenly turns into a no growth name, 
things change dramatically when it comes to valuation. And I could easily, easily see Netflix down 40, 50, maybe even 80% from its all-time high once all of these other services are launched and it shows that you know they're, they're not that great at producing great content which from my experience it doesn't seem like the, their content's that great especially the content that they own a lot of the content that's good you know think of friends they're licensing and the more they're reliant on those other shows that they don't own the worse their profit picture is going to look long term now, if we move fast, we can squeeze another caller question in about a 401k plan. Hello, I'm a relatively new listener, and I love the program. And I had a question regarding a 401k uh, plan that I have with my former employer. So I was working at a restaurant, and I left. And there's not much money in there. There's under $100. But for some reason, the way the plan is set up, Every time I try to transfer it into a Roth IRA or even, well, since it's in a traditional IRA, I wanted to transfer it into my traditional, they want to charge me $50. So that seems to me kind of ridiculous. Do I just leave it here? Is it going to continue to grow? What are my options? Thank you so much. Well, you could cash it out. Uh, it's going to be a income to you, but it's $100, and uh, there's going to be a 10% penalty, but that'll be for early withdrawal if you're uh, under the age of 55, which I'm not sure if you are or not, um, so you, you would get hit with that, um, but it's 10 bucks. so I mean, I, I would just either take the money out, roll it into your uh, current uh, 401k, you can do that as well, uh, and there shouldn't be any fee for that, but a lot of brokers do charge IRA fees, now when we, we use TD Ameritrade, for all of our new accounts and they don't charge an IRA fee, one of the reasons we like using them. So uh, I definitely wouldn't roll into an IRA with that, IRA with that such, such small amount. I would try to consolidate it into a 401k or simply just take the money, simplify your life, it's $100, okay? Thanks for the call. Now let's touch quickly on, what are we gonna, oh. Talk about Microsoft. It's a trillion dollar tech company and their earnings were after the bell, and they were very good. And an annualized basis, revenue grew 12% in the fourth quarter. And this came from their cloud service business. This is what I've talked about, how Microsoft has really turned themselves into a desktop software company into a cloud name. And I don't think their CEO gets enough credit for where he's taken the company since Balmer has left. And they're priced at uh, over a billion dollars and profit margins are five or six times what their competitors are. And they're a very different company than they were in the 90s. So don't never think about Microsoft, or at least don't think about Microsoft now like you did in the 90s. It's very, very different, very different company. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that is to help you achieve your own personal version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break, going to the last segment. So if you're going to call, you do it right now at 888 chart
On the next Invest Talk, five ways to invest in real estate if you're not rich. ETFs offer exposure to large real estate companies. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Charles in Moreno Valley looking at ETRN, which is Equitrans Midstream Corporation, correct? Yes, sir. That's All right, you're correct. looking to buy, you own it. What is it? I'm looking to buy. I I can't it looks it looks too good to be true. I need you to tell me the danger that I don't see. Well, what looks too good to be true about it? The dividend and projected earnings uh, are going up. Well, clearly those projected earnings uh, are not going to come to fruition, at least to that level. And, and earnings, uh, our analysts have already started to downgrade, downgrade excuse uh, me, those uh, earnings projections for the next couple of years. 2018, they made 86 cents a share. This year, they're supposed to make a dollar sixty-one and a dollar ninety-one next year, and their dividend yield, based on the current price, is at about ten point three percent. And this is a—I'm assuming it used to be a master limited partnership, but because of the rule change, I, I believe they they switched back to a corporation. Correct? That that is correct. Yes. Okay. Well, they do have a large amount of debt, thirteen billion dollar enterprise value, and a market cap now about four and a half billion. So. Certainly a lot of leverage there that, that worries me. Uh, and the natural gas market hasn't been very hot. Uh, now that could be because of um, you know, ge natural or generation um, or production in areas that uh, are, are just harder to, to get out of, right? There's not that infrastructure that this would, would own to transport that natural gas. And clearly the market is kind of saying that. Um, and so I do think it is too good to be true because the, the debt is just so high and their cash flow is, is now negative uh, last quarter. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that dividend is sustainable. So I would certainly be weary of that 10%. Uh, it's likely going to get cut, <laughs> that dividend. Uh, certainly not going to go up until their prospects turn around. And I, I don't think those earnings projections seem realistic. And even last quarter, Revenues only grew 5% year over year, where you know, a year ago it was going 88% year over year. And earnings last quarter fell 31%, whereas a year ago they were growing 140% a year. So that growth trajectory has changed. They are a recent IPO. Typically you go IPO when things are doing well when, and you put on a, on a brave face and a strong face, and that's kind of what they did, right? Uh, in the middle of last year, their numbers looked fantastic. And what did they do? They went IPO, and I'm sure they did some things to kind of goose that, uh, just like uh, uh, GoPro did back in the day. So I would certainly not be buying this name. Very overvalued still at these levels. A lot of debt, and I do think that dividend is too good to be true. So I would stay away. I don't like the name. Thanks for the call, Charles. That was ETRN Equitrans Midstream Corporation. Let's talk a little bit about earnings. Reporting season for Q2 2019 is now strongly underway. Consensus estimates still see about a 3% year-over-year aggregate profit decline for the S&P 500. That's the biggest drop since the second quarter of 2016, according to FactSet. 
And 88 companies in the S&P 500 have warned that their second quarter 2019 profits will be weaker than previously anticipated. Now, Federal or Fed President Jerome Powell has talked about easing and indicated that easing is needed because of the conditions in the economy, and clearly earnings from corporations are reflecting that. And this earnings season is important because people are going to look for what corporate executives are actually thinking. Are they as concerned as Jerome Powell says he is? Now, profit margins are expected to fall by 89 basis points, even though revenue is going to increase 5%, most likely, and rising costs. Rising costs are really the biggest culprit. And what's interesting is information technology is projected to be the hardest hit sector. Earnings per share down 10% year over year, according to Goldman Sachs. Now, 26 of the 88 profit warnings mentioned uh, from from companies are from the tech space. Pretty interesting. So definitely a tough earnings season so far and doesn't look very hot for the overall economy. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Come back tomorrow. Steve and I will, or Steve will be here with highlights from the Key Financial Premium Newsletter, and I return on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.